Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be going over some potential trade options the Thunder could be looking towards by the end of this month. Now, the trade deadline is March 25th. There's a little bit of ways to go right now. This is the 9th, so I guess you get a couple weeks, maybe even a little bit of a third week to try to find some suitors for any potential deals here so i'm just kind of going to be breaking down maybe some of my picks there's going to be a much more refined episode when we get closer to this date by the way so don't just immediately you know pound pounce on me here but yeah so i'm going to give you some brief ones i'm not trying to make this a 40 minute episode i know you guys probably have some stuff to be doing as well as i mean there's not really much thunder action going on so that's kind of why you get more of this one-off stuff but yeah I mean, just going right into things, I think we all know really who would be on the table in any deal for the trade trade deadline. You know, you're looking at someone like Al Horford as maybe like a main piece you could try to use. That contract is pretty nasty, though. He is making $81 million over the next three years, so $27 million on average. You have George Hill, who, you know, he is a ready point guard i mean he's gonna fill in just like horford does he's a veteran presence on a relatively cheap contract i know that he does have a deal for 9.5 million dollars for the next season however it's only guaranteed for 1.2 mil so there is a little bit of flexibility you can have if someone wants to trade for a george hill you got mike muscala as well i mean he has been killing it he is averaging career high numbers in terms of points he almost had an average of 10 points however he did have a couple of down games to end the first half he has 9.7 points on average right now so maybe you can kind of spike that right back up but he has been doing amazing for the team i think trevor reza obviously you want to look to try to trade him like you know we don't have any real reason to keep him i don't think Ariza wants to play for us i don't think sam presti or anyone really cares if you know a 35 year old is taking up some young guys minutes so I think it's kind of a mutual thing they just don't want to do anything and he's like this buyout candidate who will be fantasized on like Lakers sites but I don't know maybe Presti might be able to throw him into a deal to make money work and you know he's a good veteran player I don't know exactly what kind of stage he's at I don't think you can really gauge him at all because he's been away for so long I mean he wasn't even playing in the Orlando bubble so maybe he can come right back and he'll look like a playoff form guy that's kind of what he's made his name from I know Andre Iguodala is kind of like more that big guy that is coined for just being that playoff piece that is necessary and you know maybe to a lesser extent Ariza can be kind of bunched around there too I think there's players who don't have a ton of value that you could try to sprinkle in I'm talking Darius Miller and Justin Jackson. They're both on expiring contracts. Darius Miller, his contract is a $7 million expiring. He's 30 years old, but he just has not really seen the court that much. One of our best three-point shooters, though. Justin Jackson, he likes to let it fly from downtown, but he's not making 7 mil, and he's not making near as many as Miller in the attempts that he has been given. So he's more that perimeter shooter who... I was kind of still searching a little bit for some rhythm, but maybe you want to try to take a flyer on him and stash him around. Maybe give him another contract after this rookie deal. He's going to be cheap, so that's where you kind of get that question in there. Try to put him in. He's only 25. And then Kenrich Williams, 
I mean, he has been amazing. He's he's not really a must need to trade player. Like I would probably classify him in the same category as like a Hamadou Diallo. Probably. I mean, they're so so different in the ways that they play, but they're very integral to the bench unit. I mean, Diallo, he is all about offense and getting rebounds. He does do a nice job getting steals and blocks at times, but he's really just made his money off of driving inside. Like whenever Maladone got promoted to the starting unit, it's like, what is going to happen? And now you have Ty Jerome, so you do have a more traditional point guard. But Point Diallo was a home run experiment for the most part. There were a little bit of slip-ups, but I would say there was a lot of good stuff coming out of there. I mean, he's driving in pretty sizable amount for coming off the bench. He's kind of Shade Gilgis Alexander when Shade Gilgis Alexander is not around. Not when it comes to shooting. I mean, he's not shooting above 30% there. And passing-wise, he's not passing as much. I think he's averaging a pretty good amount. I think it's like 2.4 assists, though. I might be off a little bit. I think it's around there. So I think he's averaging just a little bit above two, and that's probably one of his biggest kind of improvements. I mean, you could never expect him to get two a game, you know, whenever Billy Donovan was under the helm. But I think Mark Dagnall has given him that green light to just slash inside to the basket. And now he's not just chucking up shot after shot because, you know, he's going to get the touches regardless, not like before where he had to be screaming and yelling just to touch the basketball for half a second. So it's helped him out. He's been able to pass and driving in. He's one of the best guards in the league. I think that kind of is not very disputable, you know, and same goes to getting the line. He's averaging like four of those a game. And with Kendrick Williams, I mean, it's not on that measure. Like he's not slashing in, but he's very good at getting backdoor cuts. Like he doesn't need the ball to operate very well. And he's even good at catch and shoot situations. He's one of the better players on the roster. And just in general, He's been very good at shooting. But the the main thing with him is just defensively. I do think he's ranking, yeah, he's ranking in the top tens in a fair amount of these like advanced stats metrics. So when you're looking at like some of the like defensive ratings overall, I think he sneaks in. He's right around that number 10 spot, as well as like deflections. You know, he's always kind of ready. I think per 36, it probably boosts him up just a little bit because he's not averaging that many minutes. But yeah, I think both of them have been really good additions. They kind of have their own sort of value, but that's kind of where I'd group it. So Williams isn't that guy that you would just give away, I guess you could say that. I do think that there are some potential players, though, that you would want to look towards in a deal, and maybe it might end up costing you Kenrich Williams. But, you know, you get a little bit younger in a deal like this. And Williams, I mean, he could be. A core member, the deal is so good when it comes to him. He's on a three-year, $6 million contract. So damn near minimum you're looking at with him. So it gives you that flexibility. I think every team would kind of want that though. And if you're looking for a window outside of probably those three years, I don't think you necessarily need him because once he's done with his contract, I don't really know where you go from there. Anyways, just moving on to some potential players. I know Mo Bamba, I've done an episode on him, and he just has kind of looked a little bit funky with the Orlando Magic. It just kind of is how the Magic works. Like, they have pretty much left a ton of people in the dust. Their draft picks, they don't really value them that well. They did it with Melvin Frazier. He had a pretty solid tenure with the Oklahoma City Blue. It wasn't anything eye-popping. I kind of expected him to be the star he actually was brought off the bench a lot with uh, Coach Gibbs, but I thought he did okay. 
anyways, they just totally just stashed him, 35th pick, didn't even give him much of a shot. They're doing it with Mo Bamba now, and it's because he doesn't really fit that mold that Orlando likes. They like the traditional bigs. Vucevic is, you know, he has that face-up game. He's not like a Bamba, though, where he's really, really quick, and I think his skill set really doesn't portray, like, back to the basket. And Vucevic really is not always that. He's more of a perimeter shooter, deadly in the pick and pop. But if you let him in the post, he will crush you any given day. I don't think you can do that with Mo Bamba, really. And he's been trying to develop other aspects of his game, but it's kind of just been hindered by him not being able to play over Ken Birch. So they pick Ken Birch. Now you got Mo Bamba, who, I mean, he's still a fairly young prospect. Future's up in the air with him. But with a Sam, like Sam Presti... He's always going after these kind of unique players, I guess you could put it in your own regard. Like, I would say with Darius Baisley, he's coming from, like, a pretty unique background. Didn't go to college doing that um, internship with New Balance. So he kind of came in not with much of a track record. I would say with Mo Bamba, it's definitely different because, you know, he did go to Texas and there was, like, real college tape on him. But just the way he plays, like I'd say with Baisley, he was like this point forward who, you know, didn't really have that body yet. And it's kind of how Bamba's been. He's just an enigma, seven feet tall, seven foot ten inch wingspan. That is absolutely crazy. And he's posting numbers of 5.6 points, 4.8 rebounds, and under assist, under an assist right now. So like really, really below that. He's just not really playing, I guess you could say. Like, they're letting Baisley kind of go through those up and down motions. They don't let Bamba do that at all. He's not even averaging double digits in minutes. He's averaging nine and a half right now. And he has averages of 4.8 points, 3.8 rebounds, and 0.2 assists on the season. So they definitely do not need him. But they're going to try to stretch out this value here. And I don't really know what the true market of Mo Bamba would be. He's 22 years old. You know, being a pretty high selection in the 2018 draft class. I think it was like number six. The contract should be a little bit up on that higher scale. So you do kind of have to match salaries in any potential deal, but they don't need the guy. And they can try to act like they have some sort of leverage. If they played him, it'd be one thing, but they don't. I think a perfect example of someone who, you know, maybe they don't even need him or maybe they want to hold on to him now. But they definitely increased the value from before. Marvin Bagley with the Kings. And I probably would have put him on here. Except for the fact that now he's playing and he's really beasting for them. So I don't think he really would be in this kind of market. I think the Thunder more are going for people left on the wasteland. Like the, you know, kind of just push this side. And I wouldn't really consider Marvin Bagley that right now. Before, when all that little... Twitter drama was going on? Definitely, but I don't think it's like that anymore. With Mo Bamba, you know, there's no huge eruption. Like, he's not going to coaches going crazy like Kevin Porter Jr., but you know that there's some kind of discourse going in between the two. So you can try to slip in and make some sort of potential deal with him. He is able to give you a little bit of shooting. Like, he doesn't have that many attempts under his belt. And that's kind of where you get into the point. Like, can he legitimately shoot the three ball? He's shooting 37% on the year, but it's only on 1.1 attempts. And when he's not playing much, that's pretty, pretty deceiving. So I wouldn't really take that in a big factor. I mean, that's over a quarter of his shots because he's not even like notching four attempts a game. But, you know, it could easily be lowered. I just think 
you know, you can kind of tack him on, maybe try to play him out. He does have some sort of potential here. You have a ton of just young players, and I don't think necessarily his contract could be that absurd once he gets out of, you know, his rookie scale contract because of how really unproven he is and how he hasn't taken many steps. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at someone like him, you probably would need to attach a player such as Justin Jackson to make sides work. I don't necessarily think the Orlando Magic are contending. Like, they always are looking to make the playoffs, so I guess you could say they'd be looking to improve. I think if you give them Kendrick Williams, of course they're going to say yes because they would help so much more than Mo Bamba would. They need to stack up on probably those two and three guys. Isaiah Roby as well, but I think Isaiah Roby's kind of untouchable at this point. Like, I don't, I don't think maybe untouchable. He's not at that level, but you got to give up a pretty penny. I think he probably has more trade value than Kenrich Williams would, so he would be off the table. I think Kenrich Williams maybe would be off that table too. Maybe some sweeteners would have to be thrown in by the Magic side, but you're really looking at Justin Jackson or someone to fill that money up. Maybe Mike Muscala to maybe help out with the injuries they have to Jonathan Isaac and um, Aaron Gordon. He'll be back in a little bit. Isaac will not. One of those guys. You need a veteran, and you need to attach some sort of picks. Now, that Warriors pick could be pretty enticing, and if it doesn't convey, it's still a very high second-round pick. That should probably do it for them, but I don't know if the Thunder would want to jump at that. So maybe down the line, giving up some second-round picks would work out with a player such as Mo Bamba. One that's been tossed around kind of quietly, and I almost did just a whole video on this, but Nick Claxton, Nicholas Claxton from the Brooklyn Nets. Now with them picking up Blake Griffin from this buyout market, there is kind of a logjam at that five position. I mean, you have the Lob City guys and DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, as it's been stated, is actually going to be playing in a small ball five role. So I bet he's going to move down the four in spurts but if the main position is at five you're looking at both them probably getting some i'd say serious minutes at least that's my opinion and then you got claxton who you know you're kind of uncertain of where he would fill in like he has looked amazing with jared allen gone and i don't think they had much of a decision i think in a harden deal they kind of needed to give up allen it wasn't an either or because if they had an option between claxton and allen you already know Nicholas Claxton would be, playing, would be playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But he's been such a nice surprise for them. So you kind of want to keep him playing. And I think he's probably the only real piece that they can build around for the later parts. Because they don't have picks. They gave them all up. Claxton's really the only young dude they have remaining outside of like a Bruce Brown who has been performing a lot better. Probably I'd say in the last week. You know, they tried making some attempts. I know they picked up Tyler Cook from, I think it was a Salt Lake City Stars. He has he wasn't, like, too amazing for them, but you, you can kind of try him out. I know that they were testing out other players, too, when it came to, like, 10 days. Dante Hall was there. It may have been last year when they pulled the trigger on him. I know they have Reggie Perry. They had him for a bit. And you got Landry Shamet, but that's not going to be enough. So you need Claxton probably... To build around for the later parts but right now his role is just going to get minimized i mean deandre jordan's there blake griffin's there jeff green who i didn't mention he has been playing great and yeah he's 34 years old but he has been beasting i mean he was great 
against us last year in the playoffs, and he really hasn't taken that big of a step back. So the minutes get a little tight for him too. So you have to slide down Green or Griffin, and that's going to be tough because they are just overall a very, very stacked team. You got Kevin Durant playing probably more at that power forward spot than anything. I know you can try him, but you got to tinker with a lot of lineups to kind of help out those four players. And you could maybe say Claxton's that last string, but I don't know. I mean, I seriously was considering, like I said, making a whole episode around him because he is so interesting. I think he fits exactly what the Oklahoma City Thunder need. Now, Jared Allen would have been exactly that for us, and we didn't try it out on him. I think, you know, if that offer was on the table to Presti, he would have taken it. Now, there's a likelihood he probably was talking. Like, whenever he heard about the rumors, he was probably trying to be that third or fourth team. I guess he just didn't have enough assets to pull it off, or he didn't want to give up those assets. But yeah, they missed out. If they want a guy like Claxton, I don't think they hand him away. Like, you know, they would want some of those key vets to try to help them out. I think Williams, he fits with literally every team. And I don't want to keep saying it, but it's completely true. I don't know a single team that would not want him that is in contention because of what he's been doing. And he's so under the radar. I think they got Timothy Luawo Cabarro, who really has jolted on the Brooklyn Nets. He really was not that much for the Thunder. I think he just couldn't make it on our roster, actually. So he's been great with them. Maybe, you know, you can fill in Williams with minutes anywhere you want. So it wouldn't be an issue. I just don't know. I think Claxton's a little bit too much to be given up for them, especially when you kind of are mentioning that he's only 21 years old. So if you make a deal to try to get Claxton over there, which I think Presti probably would try to do, you would be looking at someone like a Nicholas Claxton uh, for a Williams. I think Roby would be another person, but I don't think they would want to do that. I don't even know if the Nets would want to be doing that right now because they kind of have found some sort of role with Claxton before this Griffin deal happened. You know, they need guards, and with George Hill coming back, you could try to slot him with the squad. I know there have been rumors, maybe linking the Nets. I think more of the 76ers were linking him and George Hill together, but Nets need one with Dinwiddie down, so you try it out. Maybe you could try to make discussions, but if that were the case, you would probably need to throw in a a first-round pick of some sorts, and I don't even know if the Nets would want to do that. So, kind of, kind of crazy when you're talking about Claxton. I think the last dude I'd probably want to talk about is Paul Reed, and this is someone I was been, I was like obsessing about. I actually didn't know this. I don't really use Instagram that much, but you can go check back on your latest stories. And I remember I was watching the draft with one of my friends. Um, I think for a brief time, I may have had two friends over but for the for the entirety of it I had one of my friends I had it projected on you know this wall or whatever outside and you know we were having a great time and for whatever reason I was like on my Instagram just like writing out stuff about the draft and looking back on it is really stupid like some of my some of my friends they were kind of clowning me about it but I post this and you have the 34th pick now I was so far behind on this draft. They did a terrible job. They always do this. They do a terrible job reporting these trades. I didn't even know we drafted Pokachevsky. I thought we had Emmanuel quickly and Jalen or Jaden McDaniels, right? I think it's think it's Jalen. I don't know. But we got one of the McDaniels guys in quickly. That's who I thought we got, not Pokachevsky. 
found that out later, and then we have that 34th pick. And I said it on my Instagram. I said, please take Teo Maladone or take Paul Reed. Make me the GM. I don't I probably would take Maladone there, but you know, I just got that in mind, man. Those are probably the two best guys out of the second round so far, man. So Paul Reed playing with the Delaware Bluecoats, absolutely the MVP of the G League. And Moses Brown was kind of contending with them, but he kind of dropped off in that back like five games. Whenever they got in that losing streak, you can't really contend there. And if you're not making the playoffs, you're not going to be able to really vie for an MVP spot. So maybe he gets on that all G League team, but yeah, you, you can't really match what Paul Reed was doing. And I saw a tweet. I believe there's some sort of ranking system that was going on in this one. It was an ESPN guy. I think it was like Kevin, Kevin Pelton, uh, I think. Yeah, it was Kevin Pelton. And he was calculating kind of how important certain people were and how many wins they kind of accumulated. Paul Reed took the cake here. He ranked number one, averaged 3.5 wins for this team. Moses Brown ranked third. He averaged 2.13. And he actually had Omer Yurt 7 not too far down the board. He ranked seventh with 1.91. So two beasts in Yurt 7 and Brown. But Paul Reed, just far and away. He's the only guy on the Blue Coats right there. And the Blue Coats are in the playoffs just only due to him. I mean, he dropped 35 on Moses Brown's head, looked unstoppable on the step back threes, even slashing down around the basket that's someone that you would need like if you want to build you go towards someone like a Paul Reed right now and you know he's only 21 years old I don't think they'd want to move him just like you go with the Brooklyn Nets and Nicholas Claxton you don't just give up those guys even when you're contending if you find draft steals you rarely want to try to move them unless you seriously are putting the pedal to the metal and if you're going to give up someone like Reed I think before or during this G League season, it would have been a lot easier. I made a just entire post linking Paul Reed to this Thunder team, and it was just my just straight up rumors here. Let me, uh, yeah, yeah, it was about George Hill actually. So the George Hill news was coming out, and I was like, you know what? Maybe this would be a good time for, you know, a a George Hill for like Paul Reed deal, but you'd have to throw in picks. You'd have to throw in picks. And this was, when I made this, this was on Kyle Singer for MVP.com, by the way. My blog, and a little bit corny. I need I need another domain name. I'm going to need some help with that. But anyways, I put this out. This was really early on, like not even a week past. I think we're like a week into the season. I was suggesting George Hill and attaching picks. Maybe you get Mike Muscala out of the steal too. Just really bolster that bench up, and you even get some more capital for later on down the road. I don't think that works out anymore. I think if you're going to trade for Paul Reed, it's not only going to take you some veterans and like a George Hill and a Mike Muscala, but it's also going to take you likely a first round pick. I mean, you just don't give this guy away. He's a top 20 player in this draft class. I think Maladone is too. And it's crazy because Paul Reed's not even playing in the NBA, but you, I can say that wholeheartedly. I don't see him flopping. What he's done, it translates just right over. So... They got an absolute steal, like second to last pick, or I guess third to last. He was 58th, and he's just, he's been amazing. I mean, he's averaging a double-double with them, and he's pretty much done everything you've ever wanted him to. I just don't think 
he, he'd be able to make anything work out unless unless it's a three-team deal or you give him a first-round pick. Now, I'm not even opposed to giving him a first-round pick for Paul Reed. I think if you want to seriously consider small ball five and that's the way of the future, Paul Reed is a guy that could do that for you. He's like Roby in the sense where he's a little bit on the smaller side. I think he's only six foot nine, but he's a lot more carved out than Isaiah Roby is. I think he's Roby's more like lean. Paul Reed's a little bit on the more bulky side. He's a little bit more burly, so he could work. I think you could grow him into a pretty buff dude who could actually play five like all the time. I think four is probably more that natural position, but you can slide him up and he can shoot. He can slash. He can pass the basketball. What else do you want from him? So you move him over to the Thunder. You are able to get Roby at that four and three position, which he hasn't gotten enough time at, but he's looked so, so great. And you also have, you know, a Darius Baisley. If you want to make lineups where you have Roby at the five or Reed at the five, Roby at the four, you can actually move Baisley down to that three spot. And I think Baisley, you know, as much as you don't want to say it, I mean, he probably could work pretty well at the three they just didn't really try it out that much so it gives you that flexibility but it comes at such a cost that's almost like dreaming about getting this guy people that the 76ers would want it's the muscalas it's the kendrish williamses you know it's the george hills and they need the picks so i don't know i think now he's off the board i don't want to for- forget on that dream but damn i mean that guy's going to be very special for whatever team he's playing on 76ers they're so good at drafting you know they picked up Matisse Thibault he's not actually playing that well now but he was really good at the beginning if they wanted to flip him their best time would have been last year he just hasn't gotten the reps he still has value I've seen he's worth a lottery level first round pick but that's one of those kind of like BS like there's no way that can be true Paul Reed might actually be that though and it could be another Thibault thing where they don't have the minutes and his value just plummets but Come trade deadline, he's going to be too pricey for any team to really get. Maybe if you're really like really ready to spew out all your veterans, it'd work out. But our veterans, all the ones that are cheap, probably don't amass him. And Al Horford, I mean, he was already with Philadelphia. I don't even know if they can trade for him back. And they don't want to trade for him back. That's just a simple deal. That contract's so ugly. Already had to deal with it once. Already had to give up a first-round pick in Maladone, as well as Michich to get him loose i don't think there's a real deal anymore with them you know there's other names that have kind of also brought up a little bit of variation i think i've actually mentioned thibault before in deals i know i've talked about the bagley's of the world i'm probably gonna have another episode like this as i've said once i near that deadline but i don't want to just keep spewing out to stuff i'm gonna get this to 90 minutes if i break down every single player who i think would be a really bright spot but just watch out for tomorrow's episode guys this is when we're going to be able to go back to the game previews and i may not do an extensive one i may just go all in depth again with the with the other stories because i think they are very cool it seems like i've gotten pretty good reception this week towards them so i may just keep chugging along we'll see though anyways guys i really appreciate the support if you want to leave any sort of comments you guys know where to find me just got to click on my name in the description and you should be good to go Other than that, though, guys, thank you so much, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. See ya.